Welcome to Success Authority's Conversation Street with Leadership Authority, Peter Beaumont, and with Business Culture Authority, Ron Lehman, and me, Linda Ruland, Success Authority's founder. Where do you think people start looking for help? Where do they start saying, hey, I don't believe I've got the answers I need to move forward? I would say this actually just a step even before that is, am I asking that question? Because um, I, I, you know, I think we've all experienced, you, you'll meet with people and they they haven't even considered some of the things that we might say, you know, this is the bedrock and stuff that you need to think about. I'm sure, Peter, that happens with EOS is that, you know, you say, okay, you have the vision and then we work off of that and they they don't have that part and right. they don't have a vision of what the vision could be. They just haven't done that. And they, Never. I guess Never. some are look at that and go, okay, well, I have to do that work. And others go, no, I was looking for something a little quicker and easier. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. In fact, you know, and cheaper <laughs> and cheaper. Yeah. But most of the time it's, it's, uh, you're right. They've never really thought about it. And then another problem becomes, well, you know, we do a two day annual and they're like two days. I got, we can't take two days, you know, yeah. <laughs> to think about the future of the company and get it sorted out. Oh no, no. Well, a quarterly is a day as well. And Oh, a whole day. You know, so. yeah, it's it's a guy at FedEx referred to that as we're trying to change the tires while we're going down the freeway at 65 miles an hour. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we don't, we can't stop to fix it. Yeah. Um, and that that analogy, you know, I first experienced. But if you it, don't, you know, the wheels are going to come off. Well, that's it. Yeah. I mean, it's like preventive maintenance in a way. Yeah. But yeah. I I know when I started in the training business back in the late 1800s. Um, it was, you know, a two week training program was not uncommon. Um, we had programs when, when I was at Wilson learning, you did five days, you stayed for the weekend, there were activities, and then you did another five days after that. And nobody blinked at, you know, their people being gone that long. And then it went to, you know, one week and then it was three days and then it was two days. And now it's down to, can you do that in an hour? Yeah. Um, or rather than do a day of training, can we do um, eight days of one hour at a time? You know, yeah. spread out over a year. Like, hey, it. if you're willing to wait for results, sure. It's Although they it. will have forgotten yeah. the first hour by the fourth hour. So, but <laughs> I, I think that's I think that's an indic indicator of the pressures, the time pressures, and answers and things that that. Um, especially leaders and business owners have to deal with. They mm -hmm. can't imagine, you know, going and, and, and doing an all day meeting on stuff that doesn't immediately translate to the bottom line. Yeah. Uh, apart from which they have to be separated from the digital lifeboats. So, uh... <laughs> yeah. So that's a whole nother thing. <laughs> right. Yeah. And, but yeah. it is interesting because I think there is much to be said. What you just said is absolutely true. And I think people have equated the fact that now we've got uh, the technology that we've got, that we don't have to spend the, m the amount of time physically training anymore. And, of course, nothing could be further than the truth. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think a lot of 
the other big shift in that is that organizations used to spend a lot of money on training people. And now it's if, well, not right now, but a few years ago, it kind of morphed into this, well, we expect you to come trained and then we'll kind of show you how we do it. But for a salesperson, you know, you need to take sales classes and do all that before you get here um, or have experience. Um, whereas they used to just, especially the insurance companies, uh, or industry used to always just, they'd hire anybody and we'll, we'll train you. Um, a guy I knew sold uh, electric typewriters for IBM and they did six months of training on how to do that before he was ever allowed to talk to a customer to mm. sell a typewriter. And and they had to practice their presentations and their big they had a big finale where they got up in front of three executives and they did their presentation. And if it didn't if they didn't like it, they started the six months over again. Wow. Um it was amazing the amount they they put into that. And now kind of got away from that. But now people they're so desperate for people. I don't think I think they're back to hiring people who aren't trained and then just hoping for the best. Yeah. Yeah, I had six weeks training at Cadbury's before they let me loose on poor, unsuspecting customers. I think they wish that it had probably been a lot longer. <laughs> <laughs> well, but there's something to be said for, you know, on the job training because mm-hmm. you can take all the sales classes you want. When you're sitting in front of a customer, it, it that's that's when you figure out yeah. what, what does it. Some of this was old school too, where we had to, you know, we went through all the classes and then we'd have to they'd have a uh, this is up in Cadbury's in Bourneville, in, in Birmingham, in the UK, and they had this mocked-up shop, looked just like the inside of a shop, and then somebody would play the the customer behind the counter, and you'd have to sell them, you know. Yeah. And, uh, boy, did I screw up there a few times. Well, I but- think there was there was always people involved in that who really felt their job was to make your life miserable and be the yeah, worst and he, possible. And the one customer. particular guy who did it extremely successfully. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure he believed he was Every weeding time. out the weak souls, but, um, but I think all that, you know, as a, as a, as a, a business owner, all that kind of stuff is, again, there's more sort of evolving rather than conscious choice on how are we going to, um, how are we going to help people be successful? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of, it, it evolves or devolves depending on how that goes. And I think if, if we're making any argument here, it's, it's, there's a lot to think about, um, but it doesn't, it doesn't have to take, you know, years, but you, if you understand a few or answer a few questions for yourself, then you can, you can um, much do a much better job of evaluating decisions. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. like, okay, if I know where I want to go, so do I turn here or do I go straight? Um, and that's, I think that's, you know, I think that's really what we're talking about with the whole book is, you know, here are some real bedrock choice points and here are some things to consider to help you make those decisions. And they kind of, you know, as I look at, at at the way the book flows, it's really once you've made that decision, now here's some more things to consider. And it all comes down to what does finish look like for you? How do you want, where do you, where are you going and how would you like to get there? And here's some things that can help you along that way. Um, but 
in some ways, that's the easy stuff. The hard stuff is those first questions. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because you have to take the time to do it. You have to ponder it. And and, and it's, and that's a challenge. I mean, like legacy lifestyle, that's a challenging decision. Um, and, but let me ask you this, Peter, do you think there's, once you've made that decision, are you then locked in forever? Um, wh- what do you mean by? So yeah. if I say I'm built, I'm, I want to go with legacy and then, Oh, I see what you mean. Three yeah. years later, can you go, well, you know what? Now I want lifestyle or vice right. versa is, I mean, that's true, isn't it? You can always make that choice. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. You're not locked it's, in. You, you, I, I've seen people go from uh, legacy to lifestyle and from lifestyle to legacy. Yeah. 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 So At I think. At what stage, however? I mean. It depends. It depends on the growth of the business. You're two years what... from wanting to, to retire. I think that you'd be very much challenged to uh, convert your business into a, a legacy business if you were lifestyle all along. Um. Yeah, it depends. Again, it depends. So I, I've seen a situation. Well, maybe not two years, but I've seen five or so where uh, suddenly family members have shown interest in the business, uh, and they hadn't up until then. You know, he'd written them off, and they were like, "Dad, I'd like to come into the business with you." Shit, changes the whole bloody thing. It would wow. Yeah. yeah. Do you, Peter and, and Linda, have you, they failed at their own careers, by the way? But <laughs> well, <laughs> have, have either of you experienced talking to someone who's at the very beginnings of a business who either has made that decision um, of legacy or life has considered that and then is on that pathway? I've never seen it at early stage, no. Yeah. I've seen it in terms of what I would define as more of a, a big dream, but what they were doing versus what their dream was didn't correlate. So mm. it'd be a big picture of pie in the sky, basically. But today, you know, I don't have the resources, or I don't have the people, or and yeah. it, I don't know. I don't know in those cases that they were sustainable ideas. You know, I. I wonder if, I mean, if I was a venture capitalist, that would be a really good question for me to ask. If somebody came in with a proposal yeah. that wanted funding, I would want to know if they'd thought about that. And I wonder if venture capitalists do that. They certainly no, ask the question of scalability. I've seen, I've worked with a client and I've uh, sort of do a little bit of work with them now, but not as much as I did, that was, uh, I, I may have referred to them before, it was the glazing company up in Shoreville. And they, the, the father wanted to retire. Both his sons were working in the business. They had not realized until I started asking the questions. One of them definitely saw it as a legacy business and one definitely saw it as a lifestyle business. Mm-hmm. And could those two coexist? Well, that's the problem. That's why I'm no longer working with them. No. <laughs> so, in your mind, no. I, I, be hard. Um, I think I took them as far as I could. Yeah. Um, yeah. but they couldn't straighten it out. They, you know, one, one wanted to work the hours he wanted to work because he liked working there, and one wanted to work a lot more hours because he wanted to ramp it up and be able to sell it as a, a as a, a, you know, at a profit. And yeah. The other guy didn't see it that way at all. It was, and I couldn't get him on the same page. So, yeah, yeah. 
And, and so I had to get them on the same page to do any of the stuff that I felt they needed to do moving forward. So yeah, it was just a disconnect. Unless the, the one could figure out or to, you know, see while the other one was building a legacy business, they could have a lifestyle, um, a lifestyle um, participation in the yeah, business. Yeah, absolutely. But, but he wasn't the lifestyle guy wasn't prepared to, buckle down and work for the guy that wanted to build the legacy business he saw himself okay. being on a par because he did all the real grunt work whereas the other guy was just an administrator and you know so oh. it, it was just but i i agree with you if sense you know if he'd been sensible about it he could have still done his nine to five and put in the work and drawn mm -hmm. his salary while his brother built the business yeah but if he was the one that was doing the the work that might have come crashing down the road a bit but well you were probably wise to quietly excuse yourself <laughs> exit stage left yeah <laughs> excuse me I, I think my car needs attention <laughs> yeah right yeah yeah i i uh, i go in occasionally to run their quarterlies but it's i've even said to the dad there's not you know don't, don't you're paying money for me to do something i can't change so I, I think I'm taking money under false pretenses. And his dad goes, okay, let's just play golf then. <laughs> there you go. There you go. So you can stay connected, but. Yeah, yeah. I went and played golf with him a couple of weeks ago. And yeah. So. And sometimes things change, but. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm still in contact with him. And so, so, you know, uh, something, might, but it's a really good example of how this can get screwed up. If, uh, and uh, the, when confronted with, so what business are you in the the shit hit the fan in terms of having to debate and be realistic about what they both wanted out of the business yeah but i'm sure there was still value in your posing that question oh yeah there's no doubt about it. i mean the dad says you, you know you brought us so far and i think we're actually thinking about this stuff now was we you know what we were discussing earlier, we were just going along and nobody worried about, you know, I knew I was going to be retiring, but nobody worried about it. He just retired and they carry on. And and that wasn't the case. And that's why I brought you in and you've changed all our thinking radically uh, in many, many ways. So, yeah, I mean, it wasn't wasted, but it, yeah. it, it, I learned a lot, too, by the way. And and this is part of the learning was the legacy versus lifestyle. Which, you know, mm -hmm. I had this laboratory. <laughs> yeah. Well, we do learn from all the clients, yeah. Um, however, they are. But I think <laughs> the other—I mean, the other piece of this is it's—it's it's being intentional, um, not only about your decisions, but about your willingness to change. Because I think, mm -hmm. you know, over the past hundred years, the idea that a business will just stay the same for thirty, forty years is just—that's uh, gone. And well, I think that's going back to what you were saying a little bit earlier. I, I completely agree, and I think that's why uh, the training and all that stuff we were talking about earlier has gone by the board because it's, it shouldn't have done. But the excuse is our business is changing so rapidly mm -hmm. on such a shorter scale than we've ever yeah. seen before um, that I, you know, I, the training is almost out of date tomorrow. I, I don't agree with that, by the way, but that's. Yeah. That's an opinion that's held. Yeah. And probably planning, you know, long planning is considered, well, things are going to change. So why would I spend any time thinking about yeah. 
you know, five years from now or what I want to do. Cause, but it, what it comes and that reinforces the, you know, sort of challenge of taking the time to do this work is because things are changing and we're so busy just responding and reacting, but we're well, not, yeah. we're not well, creating the change. We're not being intentional. We're just reacting. Yeah. And I, I think, um, I think it was Patton who said, you know, you, as soon as, um, General Patton, as soon as um, the enemy's engaged, any plan you had goes out the window, right? Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. but that's not an excuse. What that still, what, what he should have added to that was because that sounded really clever. Was <laughs> we we had a plan B and a plan C, and they knew how to react to certain mm-hmm. situations. Yeah, he should have said that as well because yeah. I agree. No plan yeah. is chaos, right? Yeah. Well. Two eminent also philosophers uh, on the same topic, Churchill said, um, planning is vital, plans are worthless. But mm. the effort to do the planning yeah, yeah. prepared yeah. for stuff. And then there's Mike Tyson who said, no no plan survives a punch in the nose. <laughs> so there you have three versions of the same thing you can decide. <laughs> um, That's true. That, that, true. That is true. They're all saying the same thing. Because for a while, I but think in, the 80s. If you take, if you take that further on ron then the boxer doesn't bother training right yeah well that's a great analogy because well you know i don't know what's going to happen so i'm not going to prepare for anything exactly and and then yeah what does finish look like you face down on the canvas that's what it looks like (laughs) but i think you know the other part of that is that you know we've got all these um all these forces that are kind of uh, making it difficult to do what we're proposing, which is to take the time to really be intentional and and think about this. And I think, you know, in in some ways, I mean, especially during the eighties, there was kind of this over planning Mm. where people spent hours in meetings going over every possible thing. And then, and by the time the meeting was over, whatever they were talking about was probably had changed certainly yeah, yeah. now so now we've kind of swung the other way where it's just you know <laughs> let's just react you do your 10-year plan if you do one at all on the back of an envelope whereas we used to have like three thousand slides <laughs> for yeah. every possible and i'm talking about the coca-cola company it, it, when we presented a division plan to the division president there would be a staff of people with backup slides in case he asked a question that we hadn't got for the overhead <laughs> that we got on the screen. I'm serious. I'd be like, oh, could you pull out uh, the one we have that on the, if the weather changes from rainy to sunny tomorrow, pull that slide out. Will you? This is what the effect it will have on sales. But, but see, that's, I think that's it. And probably a lot of those never got used, but the planning of the planning was right. yeah. you had to think about all the different things. And I think that's valuable. I do too. The only but trouble if you get locked spend, into the plan, then it's the only trouble is, and I agree with what you've just said. But three months of the year was spent putting together the business plan, right? Yeah, I know. I, I talked with a guy who worked at 3M, and he said at the about six months before the end of the year, they would want everybody to turn in their what their um, projected budget for the next year, their sales targets, their overhead everything and then about a month later that would come back and say no we don't know we're not happy with that mm-hmm. and not and, and that was about the feedback they got so they had to do it again 
And that took six months to finally come up with what probably somebody in the senior level had a number in mind. Oh, yeah. And and he said, I just always want them to just tell me what you want to put in there. And then we'll work toward that. But the six months of trying to guess what, what's a good number um, is just... Oh, we, we used to do a bit of both. We used to have a top-down number. They said, hey, this is what we think we're going to hit based on the... So you'd have some smart strategic playing guy doing that. And then we bottom up, which would be, this is what we think we can reach. And and then you get to those come to Jesus meetings where you actually agree on a figure. Yeah. Well, well and then you, both. you have to add in the part that says, well, if we ask for this much budget, then we might get this. Yeah. So we're going to go high. And the other one is, well, we could probably reach this goal, but we don't want to promise that. Yeah. So that's, it was short. And so there was all this machination. And in the end, I'm not sure it made that much difference, except perhaps to um, bonuses. Yeah. The incentives. The, but. the, the uh, yeah. I mean, we'd always go low because we knew senior management wanted to leverage this higher so we could compromise, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of like the, it was just looking at the news and the, the, the union. Uh, auto workers union strike and the things their demands and some of them the four hour or the four day work week i think is i think they have a whole bunch of stuff in there that's stocking horses it's like well we'll ask for this but we would settle for something else because some of it just seems wildly um optimistic and on the on the the company side they're you know saying absolutely that we you know we can't do anything near that i think they're you know, so they're both kind of at these strong positions, and as all negotiations, hopefully they will move, and the union will explain why they settled for less, and the company will explain why they suddenly were able to do more. Yeah, and right. just a question of how long it takes. Meanwhile, I think the uh, non-U.S. non-domestic uh, car makers are thrilled. They couldn't oh, be happier certainly. that the big three certainly. are on strike because it's like, oh, gee, you wanna you want a Ford pickup? Well. Take a look at this Honda. I think you'll be very happy with that. And you can get one. The so. market will provide. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, talk about shoot yourself in the foot. We just got over the, the chip shortage, right? And, you know, yeah. showrooms are stopped again, and then they go and do this. And, yeah. Well, and I, whatever happened to the toilet paper shortage? My God, that... Three years ago, that was first, you know, that was topic that led the news. Completely self-inflicted, right? Absolutely (laughs) self-inflicted. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Conversation Street. For more information or to schedule a private conversation with success authorities, email us at inquire at successauthorities.com.